couple of days. Temperature currently 30 degrees Celsius, that's 76 relative uh, humidity in the percentage stakes. And that was the news from RTHK. Good morning. I'm Andrew Work, and today your co-host is Philip Wong. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Andrew. Hey, on Thursday's Back Chat, we discuss changes in the social media landscape ahead of the launch of the conversation app Threads by Facebook's parent company, Meta. Available for pre-download starting Thursday, the app has been described as a Twitter killer with a potential to take over Twitter's monopoly. And this comes at a time of increasing uncertainty over the direction Twitter is taking as it witnesses major policy changes since its takeover by Elon Musk. After 9.45, we learn more from a French sociologist about what is going on with the violent protests in France following the shooting of a teenager at a traffic stop last week. We want to know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page. Uh, you can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call, 233-88266. Uh, we got some guests to help us sort out this new uh, player on the social media scene. We're going to welcome to the show uh, on the line Joss Bartels, an associate professor in organizational communication at the Department of Communication Studies at Hong Kong Baptist University. Good morning, Professor Bartels. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing okay. It's a sunny day in Hong Kong, so all good. <laughs> Um, we're also welcome to the show, uh, I would say a semi-regular, Michael Gesley, the co-founder and managing director of Network Box. Morning, Michael. Yeah, good morning. Great to have you on. Uh, Professor Bartels, we'll kick off with you. Uh, just in case people aren't up to date, uh, we have a new app coming that is meant to challenge Twitter. It's being launched by Facebook's parent company, Meta. Uh, what's your take on it? Is this thing going to fly or not? Because it is certainly not the only new entrance on the scene. I'm, I'm not sure. It, it's probably not going to really significant change the social landscape. I mean, it could just fulfill some existing needs of customers who are now using Twitter, for example. Or, I, I mean, it's, I'm not even sure. You, you know, we, we're now using WhatsApp video and, and Zoom and Teams compared to Skype years ago. And these, there was a need for video calling years ago already, so, but nobody talks about Skype anymore. So I'm not even know if, if, if my students know Skype. So it's, it's, when it comes to threads, it's probably uh, going to, yes, change some, but no, no, I'm, I'm, it mostly it's more of a big of a deal in the media than in actual life, to be honest. Uh, Professor, uh, Professor Bartels, well, do you think the popularity of threats will be determined by, I guess, on a regional basis? Because if this is supposed to be a, I guess, a Twitter killer, I mean, in Hong Kong, not many people use Twitter. So I guess you can say that, you know, thread won't, won't be popular here. It's, that's a very good question. To be honest, if I ask my students who's, or, or even my colleagues in Hong Kong, but even in Europe, in the Netherlands, if I ask them who uses Twitter, well, almost nobody uses Twitter. It's, it's, it's still an important medium, but it's, it's mostly used by opinion leaders or let's, uh, but it's, it, yeah, to be short, yes, I think it could be more dependent on local needs in different countries than in Hong Kong, it's, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, it's kind 
It's kind of bizarre, isn't it? Because people do still use it to make major announcements. Politicians will make announcements on it. Journalists use it as their go-to. Yep, and so it, it drives a lot of secondary media reporting. I, you know, I'm sure we've all, how many times, we can't count how many times we've seen a newspaper article in traditional media uh, that says, you know, as announced on Twitter or as report or, or as first breaking on Twitter because of its speed. Um, even though the broader population, it, it doesn't have anywhere near the same numbers. Um, however, it's not the only game in town. Michael Gaisley, there's a pile of, you know, when Elon Musk took over Twitter, everyone's like, oh, this is going to be a, a, a mess, or I, or I object to Elon Musk personally. So they're going to, people went to Mastodon. They went to Truth Social for different reasons. I mean, uh, there are other options out there. Nettie, do you have a take on why this might be different? Well, I, I think the really interesting thing is both stories that you're talking about this morning are linked because the riots in France, one of the first responses from Macron is to turn around and say that social media should be shut off. Um, so social media does obviously have a huge impact on real life and, and the ability of people to communicate and organize. Um, but, but in the case of Agreed. threads, um, they, they have a huge advantage over any other new platform that's starting because they've got two billion users that they can just shove across, which is what they're doing. And it's available right now. It's not pre-launch anymore. It's, you can download it this moment. Have, you got, have either of you downloaded it yet to have a look? I have had a look. Um, it's, at, at this moment, it's very much a 1.0, I think, in that, uh, that they've just copied Twitter. Um, they haven't really got many or any unique features yet, but obviously they can update rapidly um, over time so they'll, they'll add more but I think at this moment if they want to take on Twitter they're, they're doing it the sensible way and they're just recreating it um, but without the craziness of Elon Musk. Uh, Michael what do you think the target audience would be for Threads? I guess for Twitter you mentioned about it's for politicians, journalists but for Thread it's integrated or users can use their Instagram account to connect to threads, apparently. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, there's 8 billion people in the world and, you know, 2 billion of those are meta users. Mm. And those are automatically then available, you know, on, on threads. So it, it, it's got a huge advantage. I see. Um, it, it could evolve like what Reels did uh, in Instagram, right? So they competed with, for example, Snapchat, uh, and because, I agree, uh, because a, a, a company like Meta already has like 2 billion people, that yes, they have the advantage that Thread could become something for users who already use Facebook or Instagram. That's, that's for sure. Yes, and, and Elon Musk is trying very hard to monetize Twitter. Uh, Meta is, you know, the, the, the kind of black belt at that, and it's it, the fight is actually leading to possibly Elon Musk and Zuckerberg having a cage fight, I mean, in real life. I mean, you can't make this stuff cool. up. That would be cool. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, I, the integration is really the key thing. I know when uh, Facebook, uh, when Meta started linking up Facebook and Instagram, you know, you put a post on one, it pops up on the other. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is, this, is, is that, is that the, killer, the killer edge on this? Is this what's really going to make it work? Because, you know, I'm sure at some point, maybe even today, I, you know, if I use Instagram or Facebook, something's going to pop up and be like, hey, try, well, the, the, try the, threads. The instant maturity of their model is they're targeting you, right? So if you post something... Um, or if an advertiser then wants to access you, um, it, it, it doesn't matter whether you're posting something on threads or reels or Instagram or, or Facebook. 
um, they're, they're, they're really just targeting you. So from day one, they've got this massive audience and this massive advertising base. Um, I, I just can't really see how they will fail. Although having said that, Google Plus wanted to fight with Facebook and they lost. And you think, well, Google of all people could take on Facebook, but in the end they, they failed. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Michael, in terms of, you were just talking about privacy for, for a little bit just then. With threads, is there anything that we should worry about, especially because it's from Meta? I mean, a few years back, Facebook was uh, in the news regarding you know, settling, selling our data to, I forgot the name, it was Cambridge Analytics or something like that. Yeah, I, ha- I had a feeling you'd ask about that. I've <laughs> looked that up. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's just mind-boggling. Um, but then, you know, Meta's already got a straw stuck into your phone and they're sort of sucking up all your data. Mm. But when you look at the list... I mean, they've got your purchase histories, your financial info, your precise location, your name, physical address, email, phone numbers, all your other contact info, your contacts on your phone, the photos, videos, games you play, any content you've accessed, your search history, your browsing history, your user ID, your device's ID, and the list goes on. I mean, it's mind-boggling stuff. Mm. And I mean, uh, privacy, I think, is one of the major reasons this is not going to be available in Europe right now. Uh, Joss, I think, are you in the Netherlands right now? I mean, what's your... Is, is yes, the, I'm in the Netherlands. The Europeans have it banned it per se, but they, they... officially starting in the U.S. and the U.K. I think. Right. Um, I read that yesterday that it it will take a while to get because Europe has different kind of privacy rules, right? So they are probably still figuring out how to introduce that. Mm. Oh, so only the United States, U.K. So maybe that's why maybe that's why I haven't been pinged on it yet for Hong Kong. Is it? Is, is there? Do we have any uh, word on whether? You know how soon they're going to be rolling it out to countries in this part of the world? Well, I mean, I I have access to the the, the U.S. Uh, store and it's it's live on there now. Mm. Okay, and does it? And okay, and M- Michael, you said that you've actually tried it. Uh, have you tried integrate? It does it integrate in, with your Instagram and your Facebook? Yeah, already? basically, you you load it up and uh, you you can log on using your Instagram account and you're on. I mean, it. it that, I mean, that's why I think that they are very likely to succeed because you've got, you know, two billion users that can just log in instantly. And that already is four times the number, more than four times the number that Twitter has in total after 16, 17 years of existence. I mean, with uh, Twitter, I think they've really shot themselves on the foot, haven't they, with all of these changes? I know they're trying to monetize to, I guess, to yeah, be self-sustainable. I, think, I mean, uh, Elon Musk, I think, far from just shooting himself in the foot, he's using a machine gun. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, just to play devil's advocate here, uh, everybody talked about how, uh, you know, they were going to go to all these different alternatives, true social, everyone's like, oh, Mastodon's the ethical alternative. Mastodon's got 1.7 million users, mm-hmm. right, to Twitter's 500 million. I mean, true social, never, nobody ever notices it unless Trump dumps something there, and even he doesn't seem to be that interested in it anymore. I mean, do you think the, uh, the do you think the, the kind of the, the old Mark Twain showing up at his uh, funeral, you know, that the predictions of my demise were wildly exaggerated? Well, it will be interesting because not long after he bought it, um, Meta started development on Threads. Uh, it was called 92 at the time, um, but, you know, they started development uh, basically in response to Elon Musk buying Twitter. And now they've launched 
today. Um, they've instantly got you know up to two billion users. Uh, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't assume that they would fail. Right. Although, as you did know, Google kind of fell apart on Google yeah. Plus. You know. Yeah. So I've, I've got a list here. There's a there's a great article in TechCrunch. Uh, they've got a list here of uh, Meta apps that were standalone apps that have been shut down uh, over the years. And I'm just going to hit people with this list. Hello, Moves, Paper, Poke, Camera, Home, Slingshot, Rooms, Riff, Bolt, Life Stage Groups, Stickered, Moments, Notify, Bonfire, Lasso, Novi, Boomerang, Hyperlapse, Direct, and now we have Threads. <laughs> I mean, that's a long list of, uh, you know, and I mean, like, I get it. You invest, you take a chance. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, should that track record concern us? Well, I, I think particularly in this case, um, you've got sort of the the almost literal fight soon of the billionaires. And I, I, I think Zuckerberg's too personally invested in this to let it fail, and he's pretty good at what he does. Mm -hmm. True. Um, Professor Bartels, I mean... So you've got, you've got like the Elon Musk uh, fan base. Uh, I've got a comment here from Mike who sent an email. He says, comment for your guests. Why do you think Elon Musk is crazy? Uh, I don't know if that's, uh, did somebody say he was crazy? I don't know, crazy like a fox. So that's comment from Mike. <laughs> but, uh, but so you've got, you know, people that are fans of Elon Musk, you know, are really, you know, they'll be on Twitter. Supposedly the people that are disgruntled with or don't like Elon Musk have gone to places like Mastodon. People who didn't like Twitter before Elon Musk went over to True Social, but... Most people don't care. Um, I mean, or will they? Do Or maybe people that are not happy. I mean, will this kind of fragment different groups? You have the Elon Musk fans maybe stay with Twitter and anybody that's not happy, you know, go over to this new platform? I'm not sure. I think it's much more important what the... So, if, for example, I'm not going to mention the, one of the former presidents of the United States who uses who used to have Twitter for communicating policies and opinions. And as long as these kind of people, like these opinion leaders, keep using it to actually try to get some responses, I, I'm, of course, Elon Musk has, has the only reason why Twitter is in the news still probably is because Elon Musk bought it. I mean, before that, it was just Twitter. And then Twitter, the, the, the response was that mostly uh, um, was that journalists responded to updates of for example, this former president or an opinion leader. Mm -hmm. um, about being Elon Musk crazy, that's, that's a very good question. Um, I, I would rather say it's safer to say he's a bit more of a, a narcissist in the sense that they think that they're good at one thing and they then believe that they're good at other things as well. Uh, that, that, that could be a, 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 an explanation. Um, comparing with Mark Zuckerberg, is Elon Musk much more different than when it comes to characteristics? I'm not sure about that, actually. That's quite interesting. But Professor Bartels, I'm, I, I, just, I want to pick your brains a little bit in regards to um, all of these social apps. You know, we, we're getting more and more of these different kind of apps. Is it a good thing or a bad thing for, for society in general? That's a, well. I this. I, this. Thanks for this question. Um, I actually uh, always ask this to my students. Uh, and then another question you can also ask is: Do we control social media, or do social media control our mm. behavior? And that's a, a bit of a paradox because it's. I think it's a bit of both. Um, it, it starts probably with the question: 
do we in general trust people or do we in general distrust people? And if you're one of both sides, you can then probably say, well, you have different perceptions of social media. If you ask me, I'm not sure. I, I think people are not stupid, but they have certain needs. And then uh, some of these uh, big guys come up with ideas that actually fulfill these needs rather than that we're victims of these social media. I mean, to be honest, yes, it's both. So it, it, it could, it's, it's good and evil, to be honest. <laughs> Um, but it's a bit of a simple thought to just think, oh, yeah, uh, social media ruined our lives or social media have influence. Yes, it has influenced our lives. But I think we're not stupid. We're using it as we want to. I, one more thing. I mean, this mobile phone, you're calling me, actually. And when I tell my students that a mobile phone is actually also for calling, they look at me and think, oh, yes, of course, we do so we use these different social media for different needs, and, and I'm not sure if then that's good or bad. Is, is that a bit of an idea of picking my brain? Yes, definitely. I think I can agree with you. There's good and bad. I just don't know whether it's leaning more towards good or leaning more towards uh, bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Michael, what do you think? Well, I think one of the biggest problems uh, with social media is there are algorithms behind the scenes that are controlling everything. And That's true. You, it, it, it's yeah. invisible, and it's, it's really compartmentalizing and fragmenting society in, in really insidious ways. And you also have confirmation bias. So whatever, whatever you slightly believe in, it doesn't take very long before you jump into this sort of complete cesspit, which is, is just reinforcing all your most extreme views. And you end up with you know, just people going crazy. And that that's worrying when, you know, a few very powerful men in the end uh, are controlling those algorithms. Is it is it so different? I agree. Yeah, just just to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, going, going back, but if you think, you know, kind of around the uh, late 1880s, the 1900s, um, people would have an idea. It would maybe be 100 words. They would print it up overnight and have people running around town just handing this stuff to people in the streets. Uh, you know, very short form, very rapid response, a lot of vitriol. Uh, you know, it, in the UK, the UK was small enough that it could happen on a, on a national stage. You could literally get these things printed up and sent to, you know, multiple cities overnight and then have people running around. And, and you know, they were nasty. They were lies. They were designed to get people riled up. Uh, the United States, bigger country, they could maybe get it, you know, kind of up and down the eastern seaboard quickly. But I... It, I mean, is it, just, is it just a difference of scale and velocity? Because it's kind yeah, of the same you've thing, got right? Yeah, friction of distance involved. I mean, the friction of distance has become next to zero. You can, you can sort of yeah. pollute the, the world speed, with, right? with crazy ideas instantly. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's the speed. Yeah, I mean, just scale and you know, volume and speed now, because they were almost doing the same thing, you know, 150 years ago. Only they were doing it with tiny little pieces of paper. They were like shoving into people's hands. Right to get the conversation going or to get people riled up, and uh, and it was just as <laughs> distasteful in many cases. Um, uh, one thing I do want to get into: we've got a few minutes, and we've got we, we're going to have some more talk on this after the break. Um, but while we, Michael Gaisley, um, do you, are you familiar with Activity Pub? No. Okay, no, I thought I thought you might. There's there's one thing here that's you know kind of happening on the back end of all this is the uh, the the other programs or the applications that people can use to interface with social media 
to build into it, whether it's data scraping, uh, supplementary apps, right? And apparently this is one, and, and one of the things that Meta is going to be bringing to the table is they're going to be using the, uh, the protocol that is currently being used for Mastodon, um, you know, is also going to be used for threads to make it easier for programmers and people developing. Well, that, that's so that, yeah. um, I mean, this is quite amazing if they're really going to do this, but uh, mm. their promise is in the next version they're open sourcing the data so that you could ultimately move away from Meta and go on to a, an open source platform of some kind and, and take your data with you. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. <laughs> yeah. They have a business model, right? They need to make money. So, I'm, you know, Well, the other I amazing thing is when you talk about how fractured things are, if you have something like True Social and you've got all the, the, the sort of, you know, Trump crowd on there, you're getting to a stage where you're moving from a platform where it, it ends up sort of, you know, compartmentalized and, and, and sort of fractured within one platform to being so extreme that you have your extreme platform where everyone on there is, is similar thinking and incredibly right wing and, 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 you know, probably racist and all kinds of other things. Um, that, that's scary as well. There, you know, when you get specific platforms designed for people that, that are, uh, you know, in, in my view, pretty unpleasant. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, but does it matter? I mean, I, you could almost see, like, just to make a counter-argument, if Meta says, listen, we're going to make this open data so people can move their data back and forth, uh, if those other platforms don't have the audience, why would you go? Like, even, even Donald Trump seems like he can't be bothered with true social anymore because there's, there's, no, there's no audience. I mean, I mean, yeah, okay, if you want a really niche group of something really nasty, it's going to be in a, in a messenger app where it's completely private. Um, or you know, Telegram or, you know. Well, yeah, I, I guess yeah. there's a lot more people donating money to Donald Trump on True Social than on, on anywhere else. You know, so. Yeah, true. So maybe these other more niche platforms will have a function. Um, for political fundraising, how about bit? We haven't talked very much about business, and we have about two minutes left. Um, any sense of how this might change the, uh, you know, the, ad, the, the global advertising? Well, yeah, the, the advertising is moving away from Twitter, so it has to go somewhere. And Meta is very well placed to, to, to absorb that. Mm. Okay, Michael, you're you're a, you run a business. Uh, what's your what's your take on on how this will impact the business environment? Well, I mean, it, it's just going to make the reach that Meta has even greater. Um, and when you look at the, the the different data that they keep on everyone, it, it it is incredibly scary. I mean, they know more about you than you do. So mm. when it comes to advertising, it can be very targeted. But then the problem is, if you look at the sort of elections in the U.S. and Cambridge Analytica and all that, all of those problems, um, the, the power is just, I think, too great to be in the hands of, of literally one man. But there he is. Mm -hmm. uh, another, another comment from Mike. Mike's uh, keeping himself busy this morning. Glad he's listening. Elon opened Twitter and exposed how the DOJ and FBI manipulate content and restricted conservative speak. Congressional hearings for the past months, and your guests don't want to get into what is really happening. Facebook is gone. Grandma still uses it, though. So that's from Mike. Um, you know, any, any, any chance that uh, your politicians will want to start to restrict the, you know, w what Facebook does with these platforms as it, if it gets bigger and bigger? Well, I mean, it, it seems uh, fairly self-evident that in Europe they're already going to court and they're already, um, you know, trying to control but i can understand that because the you know like i say the power of of 
ultimately just one man to control the whole world is, is frightening. All right, Professor? I, I agree. Uh, but the uh, European Union should have been sooner with this, right? We could have been sooner with developing new laws or at least some regulation. That's the, at least that's the criticism in Europe, uh, what, what I hear a lot here. Okay. Well, very good. Thank you very much for joining us, gentlemen. Uh, I guess we'll all be making a decision over the next few days if we want to sign up for this new service or not. Philip, are you, are you you're <laughs> yes, going to take... Yes, we will. Yeah, you're going to give it a shot, Philip? I'll give it a try, I guess. <laughs> and then leave it after a month. I suspect they're just going to make it too easy. You mm. know, do you want this post to go on threads now? Mm. You know, but you, yeah. won't, you won't even have to think about it too much, which I guess is their advantage. All right, thank you very much to our guests. Uh, we had Josh Bartels, Associate Professor in Organizational Communication, Department of Communication Studies at Hong Kong Baptist University, right down the road from our studios here in Kowloon Tong, and also Michael Gesley, the co-founder and managing director of Network Box. Quick hit on the weather, mainly fine isolated showers and thunderstorms in the morning, very hot today, maximum temperature of 33 degrees higher in the new territories. Uh, so, yeah. Be careful out there if you're uh, exerting yourself in the hot, hot weather. And uh, right now here at RTHK Radio 3, the temperature is 30 degrees Celsius, 75% humidity, and we have a very hot weather warning. It's 9.30 and now the news with Stu Pryke. A nuclear engineering expert who visited the Fukushima power station says an independent investigation should be carried out at the tsunami-devastated nuclear facility before treated radioactive wastewater is released into the Pacific Ocean. Dr Luke Bing Lam from City University of Hong Kong backed calls for such a probe after an International Atomic Energy Agency review of Japan's plan declared it within international safety standards. Angry crowds in Jenin in the occupied West Bank have confronted Palestinian Authority officials during funerals for Palestinians killed during Israel's two-day offensive. Residents of the refugee camp in Jenin have been returning to see the devastation left behind. And Oscar-nominated singer Coco Lee has died at the age of 48. Her family announced on social media that she had taken her own life after struggling with depression. I'll have more news on the air at 10 a.m. In the past year, our current term government team have been result-oriented. We have led Hong Kong to break new ground and open a new chapter. We strive to enhance governance, work pragmatically and unite different sectors, enabling Hong Kong to ride out the pandemic, resume normalcy and shine again on the international stage. We implement patriots administering Hong Kong, enhance interactions between the executive and the legislature, improve district administration and jointly maintain social harmony and stability. We pursue economic growth, find new land and create strong impetus for development. We tell the world good stories of Hong Kong and spare no effort in attracting enterprises and talent. We care about livelihoods and earnestly address issues like housing, environment and transportation. We nurture our youth. Hong Kong will proactively integrate into national development, consolidate its position as an international city and make steady strides towards a brighter future. And we're back on Back Chat. I'm Andrew Work here today with my main man, Philip Wong. All right, here we go. Uh, back at it. We're talking today about the launch of this new platform from Meta, and they're, they're calling it Threads, and it is meant to be a Twitter killer. 
or at least Twitter competitor. Uh, joining us on the line to continue the conversation is Professor Axel Bruns, the Australian Laureate Fellow and Professor in the Digital Media Research Centre at the Queensland University of Technology in Brisbane, Australia. Good morning, Professor Bruns. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. So we, we've been we've been getting into it a little bit, uh, quite a bit, on the show already this morning. But uh, in in terms of impact of this new uh, this new platform, what what is your what is your takeaway? What is what is first and foremost in your mind of where this is going to have an impact? Yeah, look, I mean, this is one of a number of platforms actually that are sort of emerging now as as competitors to Twitter, obviously trying to pick up on the the people who are increasingly disgruntled with uh, the the quality of of interaction of moderation on on Twitter under Elon Musk. Um, it builds obviously threads itself builds obviously on the established networks uh, that people might already have on Meta's other platforms, particularly on Instagram. So, in some ways, it's an easy transition for Instagram users, particularly to also get onto threads. You can find your your existing network of contacts, your friends there, and, and interact with them in a more Twitter-like way. Um, one of the questions is obviously whether Instagram users or other, you know, Meta, Facebook, whatever users are uh, are actually interested in that. They may be on Instagram because they like the particular way that you post and interact on Instagram as opposed to Twitter. So um, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, guaranteed that, that people will really take this up in, in droves. Um, but, of course, building on that, yeah, that really established vast network of people is, is uh, a lot easier than um, some of the other competitors who are really launching their platforms from scratch and are hoping that enough people are migrating wholesale from, from Twitter to their platforms. Well, Professor, I, I guess it's fair to say that since um, Threads it's part of Facebook and Instagram, is it fair to say that if... Instagram is popular in a, in a particular region, then it's uh, safe to assume that initially they'll be, they'll be more popular uh, with threads. And if it's not popular, if Instagram or Facebook is not popular, then threads wouldn't be, you know, m not many users will use it initially too. Yeah, look, absolutely. I mean, like I said, it's, it's kind of it's building on those established networks. So yes, if, if you've got a, a strong established user base in a particular region or in a, maybe also in a particular demographic, then um, those are most likely to be the users who are who are going to go there first. And uh, uh, if you have no footprint in in particular countries with with particular types of users, then that's not going to be immediately attractive. It's it's also I mean Instagram is a very visual platform, obviously. So um, it's probably going to be users who are very comfortable with that sort of visual expression and that sort of more maybe more staged and more glamorous kind of way of presenting yourself as you do often on Instagram, um, where, of course, traditionally Twitter has been a much more text-focused platform. So people who are really interested in short messaging um, and very quick-fire exchanges as they have been on Twitter, um, you know, they're not necessarily the people who are already on Instagram. So in some ways, there's a there's a very different kind of use case, I guess, a different style of using these platforms. Um, so, yeah, the, the, use, the, the people who are on Instagram may not necessarily directly translate to threads in a, in a really straightforward kind of way. Mm. I, I mean, Hong Kong is definitely a meta mm. town. Older people, Facebook, younger people, mm. Instagram. Twitter's not big here outside of, I would say, maybe English language media people use Twitter in Hong Kong. Uh, but otherwise, not really. I think pe people in Hong Kong are more interested because they're interested in Elon Musk. 
Number one Tesla sales per capita in the world, and Hong Kongers love an entrepreneur. They love a swashbuckling entrepreneur. It's like one of their favorite things. So lots, lots of fans in Hong Kong. But I mean, in the rest of the world, it might be a more significant impact. Um, you're coming at us from Australia. What, you know, what, what is the impact going to be there? Maybe different from somewhere like Hong Kong. Look, I mean, we have we have a we have a strong, uh, well, I would say, Instagram community here as well. Uh, Twitter uh, has traditionally also been quite strong in Australia, and as, as you're sort of saying, particularly also with uh, people who are interested in politics and the news, in uh, in, in you know following live current events and so on. That's that's really been Twitter's kind of focus. So again, there's there's not necessarily a, a very direct sort of translation between these two things. Um, I think here. Um, we've seen already over the last few days and weeks uh, quite a bit of take out of one of the other emerging Twitter competitors, Blue Sky, which is uh, Jack Dorsey, the, the Twitter founder, his new project. Um, so uh, I think we, we might also see quite a bit of that uh, community that, that traditionally has been on Twitter actually exploring Blue Sky and before that, of course, Mastodon is another one of those uh, of those emerging Twitter competitors. Um, so we might see a bit of a splintering of that that user base of Twitter across these different platforms, while everyone kind of waits for the dust to settle and to see which of them will win through and become uh, perhaps the the most interesting, the most active, maybe also the best moderated, because that's really what what's driving a lot of people away from Twitter right now. That just the the, the moderation teams have disappeared, that there's so much well, abuse, hate speech, uh, problematic information, myths and disinformation, everything else floating around there. That's really also what's really driving people away at this point. One of the things that in Hong Kong that we don't have is uh, Snapchat and uh, TikTok. What about in Australia? Mm-hmm. Do you guys have that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, TikTok particularly has been very, very popular in recent times. And uh, um, it's... You know, it's a it's a often a, a much more a much younger audience as well there, and uh, yeah, quite a quite a different demographic. Um, very much still a, a space too, I think, where people are experimenting with what what works and what doesn't. What do you do there? What kind of content? What kind of things do you do you post there? Obviously, uh, because it's video focused and and music plays a big role as well. Again, it's a it's a bit of a different audience and, and a different style of use. Uh, it's it's not a not a space where you are going to have the sort of you know meaningful or just shouty discussions about politics, for instance, that mm-hmm. you might see on Twitter. Um, but really, something that's that's often much more playful and engaging through its use of, of video and audio. Mm. Yeah. Although that that being said, I mean, Hong Kong does people do get Snapchat and TikTok. My kids are on it all the time. Oh, they do. VPN. Come oh. on, everybody's got a VPN on their phone now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I mean, it's uh, you know those 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 blocks aren't very uh, effective. Um, one of the I have to admit, I'd never even heard of Blue Sky, and, and considering that Jack Dorsey mm. was backing it, you think I would have picked up on it. Um, so I guess it hasn't really made an impact in Hong Kong since it launched. Um, but one thing that these big organizations do have more capacity for is uh, filtering. One of our emails that we got earlier kind of went to the idea that there's some message control. Um, you know, Facebook obviously mm. has struggled with the challenges posed by having to have moderators and filters and things like that. When Elon Musk came in, he, he kind of wiped out that whole function by, I think, I believe he fired everybody that was doing that kind of work um, mm-hmm. at Twitter. Uh, is is this some 
Is this an area where Meta is going to have an advantage because they already have a huge moderator infrastructure keeping an eye on Facebook and Instagram and some of their other platforms? Uh, I mean, is that is that something they can just automatically apply to threads or are they going to have to build a whole different kind of capacity? Look, I mean, they, they probably will need to increase capacity if threads really takes off and, and, and covers a, a, a larger community. But yes, you're right. I mean, a lot of the... The, the, the overall um, frameworks, I guess, are in place and they have that in-house expertise and, and uh, just longer-term knowledge about how to do this. And, and yet, that's absolutely right. A lot of that just disappeared when, when Elon Musk basically sacked everyone, and particularly the, the content moderators. Uh, he's been, obviously, very vocal about this idea of being absolutely on the side of free speech, which to him just means having no moderation whatsoever, it seems. And, of course, that's really problematic because now what we've been seeing is hate speech, abuse, uh, really uh, graphic videos of, of people being killed, of people being maltreated, showing up on Twitter. So um, that's, that, that moderation infrastructure is incredibly important. Of course, depending on where you are in the world, what jurisdiction you're under, um, increasingly governments are also enforcing this and saying to these very large online platforms, you must have moderation in place and you must be responsive very quickly to problematic content, particularly also, of course, when law enforcement tells you you need to take this down because it's actively harmful. So um, I think Twitter is now finding very quickly that um, it can't just get rid of all its moderators and just do whatever it wants because it, it does operate, obviously, under the laws of the land as well, wherever it is. Um, so uh, Facebook, yeah, can... It isn't always great with these things either, it has to be said. I mean, its moderators are also overworked and and uh, there is just such a volume of content, of course, on these very large platforms that it's very difficult to effectively moderate them uh, all the way. But um, Facebook at least has a much bigger moderation team. It works with um, third-party fact-checkers as well for missing disinformation. Um, so it has a lot more of that infrastructure uh, that, that's continuing, and, and that's really across all of the, the meta platforms. And I'm sure that um, some of these people, at least initially, will simply be, be tasked also with dealing with, uh, with content on threads until perhaps there's a, a, a more distinct moderation team that emerges for, for threads itself. And this follows nicely to my uh, next question. You know, especially with Australia, so many, and, well, and in Hong Kong, with so many social media apps. Do you think this is actually a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> it's it's interesting because we've had we've come out of a period of a few years when we've we've not had that many different options in a sense. It was you know Facebook, um, it was Instagram then as well. It was Twitter to an extent. Um, uh, and we've had platforms like YouTube, which are kind of less social media and more really spaces where, where people share content that then gets shared by other social media platforms. So we've had a, a reasonably um, small set of fairly visible and very wide, widely used platforms. Now that's really diversifying. And part of that is um, the decline of Twitter um, and the, the rise, obviously, of these alternatives that we've talked about. Part of it is also this demographic change, you know, Facebook is also declining because its audience, its user base is getting older and younger users don't necessarily want to be on the same platform as their parents and grandparents. Mm-hmm. So they might be going to TikTok or they might be going to WhatsApp or Telegram or wherever else, basically. Um, so, yeah, we're seeing this real diversification, which, which you know, to some extent can be, can be good and can be really, um, I guess, productive, generative, because it... Um, 
it creates more different practices, more different spaces for people to, to gather um, and really create their own communities and build their own kind of way of, of being and way of working, uh, way of talking and all of that. Um, but at the same time, too, one of the kind of questions I have, too, with for the last few years, maybe the last 10 years or so, we've so much also seen, for instance, the role of Twitter in very rapid uh, public communication when there were breaking news events, when there, when there were natural disasters, political crises, you know, anything, you name it, from the, the, the tsunami that hit Japan in 2013 mm. all the way through to the, the Ukraine war now. Yeah. Um, so where does that go? Because if we're no longer kind of, if we don't have Twitter as a platform where that happens, it's not really going to happen that way on, on Instagram or on Facebook. It could happen on Threads or Blue Sky if they ever gain large enough publics or public audiences really for this sort of right. stuff. And it's not there, then it might be much more fragmented. It might happen through more private messaging apps like WhatsApp and so on, which are also much more prone to myth and disinformation circulating unchecked. All right. Well, uh, perhaps the marketplace is big enough to accommodate, uh, you know, different flavors for every different type of media that we need in our lives. Thank you very much, Professor Axel Bruns, Australian Laureate Fellow and Professor in the Digital Media Research Center at Queensland University of Technology in Brisbane, Australia. Thank you very much for joining us on the show today. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Happy 95th birthday, RTHK! Thank you for 95 years of public broadcasting service. Keep up the amazing work. I'm Janice Wailan. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 years. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. Like the lady said, this is Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, we are switching topics now. Uh, we are going to welcome to the show Eric uh, Sotede, who is the uh, Hong Kong-based French political scientist and a lecturer at the Chinese University of Hong Kong School of Journalism and Communication. Uh, bonjour, Eric. Bonjour. Et bienvenue. Uh, today we're talking about the, the ructions in France in the wake of the uh, killing of a 17-year-old at a traffic stop in the city of Nantes, and the whole country has erupted. Um, Eric, maybe you can give us the latest on what's happening before we get into the whys. Well, the latest, I mean, the, the situation was really crazy last week. I mean, as everybody has seen uh, from the pictures, I mean, it was all over the place. And uh, actually, we are starting to see the effects with uh, people cancelling or rescheduling their their travel to France at the moment. So we've seen that in the, in the press. Also, some uh, uh, travel agency giving some uh, advice to postpone uh, travel to France, in, in China in particular. Um, but um, now, I mean, from what the government said, it has uh, order has, uh, has been <laughs> has resumed or order has been restored. Uh, the, the Minister of the Interior yesterday, I'm going to the Senate, the Upper House in France, was giving some figures that are pretty striking. So we, we got something like like uh, more than uh, 24,000 uh, um, uh, incidents, serious incidents in the street, more than 12,000 cars burned, which is actually, I mean, almost like, uh, yeah, 50% more than back in 20, 
2005 when mm. there were these also very important riots in France. And uh, so very, very serious with a lot of damage. More than 100 uh, city halls also have been damaged or partly uh, burnt. So it's all over France. It's not only Paris and the suburbs in places where we didn't expect that to happen uh, either. A couple of things. You might have to explain the car burning because that's a uniquely French form of protest. I mean, it, they kind of have a unique way of doing it too. Right. I mean, it's well, it's, it's in. Well, I don't know if it's really only French, but it happens also in Belgium. I mean, around France, or so maybe France has an influence on that. Uh, so in Belgium, in in Italy, it does happen too. Um, the thing is, uh, yeah, it's part of the well when when they are burning public. I mean, this is also to slow down the the police. Uh, this is also a way, of course, to, to protest or express one's anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, of course, absolutely illegal. And the one who are the most affected are actually also the people from the same neighborhood. So the people who are actually working or, or, or who have, uh, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. who are in the same neighborhood. And so they are affecting their own uh, uh, districts, I mean, yeah. in that yeah. respect. So that's one of the and just Just for listeners, the reason I bring up the car thing, because when I learned about it, I was like, oh, they don't do that anywhere else. Basically, people have these little almost like a little charcoal briquette and they light it and it's like a slow burn so they can slide it under a car tire and walk away and you know maybe 10 15 20 minutes later the tire will catch on fire right right I mean, we, you have that, but you have also the Molotov cocktails. You have, I mean, in oh, that, really? in that, full, in, yeah, full yeah, yeah, full spectrum this time. And also, they are using what they call uh, mortars, which is, <laughs> which is not real. I mean, they call it mortars in French, right. but of course, it's not real mortars. This is more like fire, uh, firecrackers, fire, fireworks, so mm. uh, directed at the at the. Well, I mean, that buildings, and it can actually mm. start a fire. Wow! Uh, now you said there. The target over 100 city halls. People are targeting municipal level yeah. government or the, the level of government they perceive as being in charge of the police. Like they're not targeting, are they targeting national level institutions as well? Or, yeah. is, it, or is it more no. municipal local police? No, not, not really, although there have been some, um, yeah, some events in Paris proper. But, uh, but uh, clearly the police forces have been targeted also. Almost like 300 uh, police stations uh, have been also targeted all over France. What the government was saying yesterday is that this has not happened again in the past uh, two days. Mm. Uh, so in that respect, but this is, I mean, I don't know if it's thanks because this is partly the issue. I mean, just restoring order with a heavy uh, police presence, but it's like you've got like more than 45,000 pe- policemen deployed since uh, last weekend mm. uh, all over France. Mm. So Eric, I actually have two questions. Yeah. My first question is regarding protests in, in France in general. Like, from my memory, it seems like protests in France can get pretty violent. Is that is that right? Well, it can, uh, and 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 yet I think it was less violent when uh, governments in the past were uh, relying more on um, unions, uh, NGOs, also to organize these demonstrations. Now they are not anymore, and you have also this the same phenomenon of. Uh, 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 leaderless movements, where uh, actually it's very difficult for the for the for the for the authorities to trust or to entrust one organization to actually um, give some order to these demonstrations. So before it was, I would say, less violent because there was this idea that the government would rely and would trust. Uh, some uh, intermediary association, inter- intermediary organizations uh, in the society. Now that it's, uh, and also these places, uh, these suburbs, these difficult sum- suburbs, the most impoverished actually uh, um, districts in France, uh, these are places where the, the police is actually there 
only to, um, and that's one of the big issues, only to uh, make sure that uh, they are fighting organized crime and they treat any, any, any incivility as uh, a serious breach of law, sometimes with also uh, what we call bavios or going to, uh, um, I mean, this is what exa exactly what happened uh, with, uh, but it's more than a bavure because it was intentional. So bavure is an intentional, an intentional, an intentional, sorry, uh, um, targeting or killing of uh, or maiming of of someone. Mm. Whereas this time, I mean, it was clearly. I don't know if you saw the video, but clearly the yes. policeman, I yeah. mean, did shot. I mean, was on his own, deciding that it was a threat. Whereas it was not a threat. But thanks to the video, actually, we got to know the truth. So. Yeah, and, the, and, the, and the police did come out. The, the kind of the initial response was, oh, he was yeah. he was speeding at the police. Right, and, right. and I mean, yeah. clearly, once that video came out, it was like. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Not a, um, we have a comment here from TC who says, let's remind everyone who has been listening that the French police, uh, French policeman in question has been charged with voluntary homicide. Yeah. Is that absolutely, correct? Absolutely. And he also, Immediately. Yeah. He also goes on to mention that the mayor of a city has been attacked uh, yeah. in his home, which was pretty, pretty. Yeah, several ones, actually. Uh, right. More than, I mean, that's why also the president in France, President Macron, invited more than 250 uh, mayors from different cities in France mm. who had been uh, targeting in different ways. Some of them, so the one I think your, your, uh, the person is mentioning is the, the one from Les, Les Roses, who his family was attacked, his wife was, uh, was actually uh, also uh, hurt, and also his daughter. So this is really serious. This is, of course, something that needs to be uh, addressed very strongly. But he's right. I mean, the, 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 the policeman was immediately put into custody and he was, he was charged uh, uh, immediately mm -hmm. uh, by the judicial system. But that, and this is, everybody is saying that this is unusual, so this is like an immediate response to try to get, I mean, this obviously failed, but to try to get some order or to prevent this, uh, well, this and, violence from happening. They also had a fairly damning video. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Poli police abuse, abuse in other countries, uh, you know, quite often when something happens, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of like, oh, this is what happened. And if there's not video, yeah. there's kind no, of no. a fog of confusion around it. Whereas in this case, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's no, no. pretty clear. No, no, absolutely. And, and yeah. this is what all the, the NGOs are saying. I mean, thanks to the video, I mean, it's, we are able actually to put this issue on the table, mm. which has been a recurring issue of uh, police violence or difficulties in, in, in connecting the police with the citizens in France for the past 40 years. But what happened two weeks ago was, uh, there was, an, uh, well, two weeks before the 27th, so in mid-June, there was uh, a similar case and actually also the, the policeman was also charged for voluntary homicide and was also put in custody uh, and without a video so just to say I mean to be fair to the police I mean there are some internal review mechanism where actually uh, a policeman where they go overboard I mean they of course they will be also targeted mm -hmm. so so why is it so violent this time obviously this is a very tragic yeah. incident. Yeah. Is there a disconnect between the government police and you know civilians? Yeah, there is a uh, yeah there is an issue. The main issue I would say is of course the um, yeah the relationship with the police. I mean that has been in in these areas, and this has not been put on the and also social I mean social policies that you had in the past, especially for employment. These are districts where an unemployment for is like triple. Uh, average unemployment in other areas of France, where the youth is like almost like one third of the of the youth is unemployed. So, uh, and all the social uh, kind of, of policies, or to make sure that you would prevent these kind of, of things from happening, have been in a way cut uh, in favor of more order, more policing, 
and, and so on and so forth. Um, the fact that it's that violent is also, I think, a reflection, a mirroring of the lack of trust there is between the citizen and the uh, and, uh, and the government at the moment, the, the Macron government is extremely unpopular in France, um, and especially I mean, this, in this second term. I mean, we just had some uh, recurring protests against the, um, the reform of the retirement scheme in France. And so this was simmering. We had the yellow vest before. So for a while, I mean, and since basically 2017, uh, we have had several, uh, um, I mean, a, a growing uh, um, uh, defiance uh, uh, towards the government. Mm. You know, in the United States, they, they've been through a rash of these types right. of incidences where people were killed in right. police custody. Right. Uh, you know, as you said, there was another incident, policeman was charged. Yeah. This incident, policeman was charged. But the response suggests that maybe people feel like in other cases there has been impunity yeah. and, for and police. Absolutely. Yeah. And also the number of people dying in police custody has, has risen. The, mm. the, the figures, I mean, now the Ministry of the Interior is saying, I mean, in these cases where People refuse to uh, obtemperate, they refuse to obey an order given by the police. I mean, 12 people uh, were killed last year. But, so that doesn't seem, I mean, huge in a, in a, in a way, but it's, it's increasing. And it, actually, if you take into account the number of people who died in police custody, last year was 39, the year before was 52, from an average of 10 to 15 in the past. So you can see that there is a growing uh, um, uh, kind of uh, more violent response also coming mm. from the police. Mm -hmm. And they've been, if you take the Minister of the Interior, um, I mean, he's on the side. At one point, he said to the far right Marine Le Pen, he said, You are a bit soft in, yeah. in one debate, I mean, in the past. Okay. So he's really on the line of uh, heavy policing and heavy repression. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess the, 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 the issue behind that is, of course, these, uh, what, what is happening in these suburbs. Some of the mayors, ish, I mean, who come from these, uh, uh, from these second generation or third generation uh, immigrants who are fully French, I mean, uh, I've been mm -hmm. just like uh, uh, flagging these issues for years and they haven't been listened. The irony of things is that Macron, in the beginning of the week, uh, when, when uh, the, the young guy was killed, uh, was in Marseille to mm -hmm. announce his plan for the suburbs. Mm -hmm. And actually, in the plan, there was nothing regarding policy. Wow. Um, I mean, you do get into a bit. I mean, I'm wondering if you get into a bit of a vicious spiral. Uh, you know, in the video, you can see the car does start to move. Yeah. And then, but very, you know, I would, I would say slowly uh, before the shot goes. Um, but I mean, if you're sitting in that car as a 17-year-old and this is the environment, this is what people have in their heads, yeah. at that point, the driver, the, the young driver, probably, I would guess, feared for his life. He's yeah. thinking people who get taken in by the police die. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, if he put his foot in the gas, I think maybe I can like get out of this. Uh, obviously, you know, it didn't work out. But uh, I mean, is there going to be a situation where people will take more risks to get away from the police because they fear what will happen to them if they get taken and they, they have a legitimate concern? They, they feel they have a legitimate concern for their safety and even their lives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. in that in that sense, I mean, it is pretty comparable to what you were saying, uh, the comparison with the U.S. Of course, France hates to be compared to the US. But in that respect, I mean, uh, you could say that this was a, a George Floyd moment. That, mm. That's for sure. Hopefully they can turn that around soon. Today, we were joined on the show to discuss this topic by Eric Sotade, who is a uh, Hong Kong-based French political scientist. Merci encore. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and today, we are wrapping up today for Back Chat. Thank you very much to Philip Wong, who joined me today, producer Raphael Blett, and our man on the sound. We'll be back with more Money Talk and back Money Talk at 8 and Back Chat at 9 tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show today. I'm Andrew Work.